0: in their house. Welcome back, everybody, to the Praiser House. I am super excited today. It feels yeah. like Friday, but it's Monday.
1: I know. It does feel like a Friday.
0: What's up with that? It's like it's like a happy day. <laughs> Is that because I had finals all weekend?
1: Probably. It was Probably a long weekend. It's
0: like Berkeley, please let me graduate out of grad school <laughs> and I'll be happy. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're really excited. If you haven't gotten involved with the Praiser House, please do. You got to subscribe. Check us out on social media. We got a lot of, lot of influx of activity over the last two yeah, episodes. Brad Alden, mm-hmm. we had Aaron Cole. Yeah. That yeah. was huge. Today I'm super excited. Yeah, me too. I'm a love song guy, yeah. and I, I know that who we have is not a love song, you know, writer, but there are there's a lot of love in there. Yeah, them. yeah. And uh, the folk acoustic singer songwriter vibe. Yeah, that's our wheelhouse. It's total how, wheelhouse. Yeah. How many fires have we sat around and played music to songs like this? Probably guy's a songs? couple dozen. Yeah, easily. 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 Yeah. And you know, for for all the people that are tuning in, this is the first time that the Praiser House has had an, a, a member or being interviewed at someone. That's from the complete other side of the world. Yeah, yeah. Like today, we're going all the way to Auckland's New Zealand.
1: You're right. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, this is the very first. You know, our time zones are completely different, and it really <laughs> it took me a little to get to my a little bit to get my head around that, like how that works. Yeah,
0: because you got to push the clock backwards right. for us. Yeah, he's
1: actually into Tuesday morning, and we're like over here. Sleepy Eyes on a Monday afternoon. So. We're
0: like, we can do this though. Yeah, so yeah. We, let's just jump in because there's a ton of talk about this guy is super amazing. And I want to say this you know, you and I always get into songs where we loop the track yeah. over and over and over. And there's one song that he wrote. It's called Help Me Believe. Yeah. And I think I played it like 1,342 times was, in a row. I think it was. Yeah,
1: that was the count. I remember that. It was... Yeah.
0: Cause I walked in, I was like, I'm on 1,400 <laughs> and something. And you're like, Brandon, you can come off on it. He's got other cool music. And I'm like, all right, fine. Yeah. So with all further ado for our dance, we welcome. Strawn, all the way from New Zealand. Stron, how are you, man?
2: Hey guys, Kelda from New Zealand. It's great to be here with you guys at Fraser House. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It's a real honor. It's special.
0: It is an honor. We were talking, you know, we for our audience, we always kind of joke. We they always the guys in control never want us to run the interview. Uh, you know, or sorry, not talk before the interview because all the meat and potato <laughs> comes out. And, yeah. and of course, you know, we got to know each other. And for, for our audience, um, Strahan is over, not, he's not only just his writer room, a very comfortable, cool place where all his beautiful songs come out of him, and poetry and all this fun stuff. He's like 50 meters, you know, for our fans here in the United States, you know, it's like 150 yards
2: or less for the beach side. Is that right, man? Oh, yeah, man. I am literally sitting here watching the sunrise over some far distant islands on the horizon line. I've got about seven meters of grass before it's sand dunes, surf beaches, fishing sharks, the whole thing, man, it's magnificent. Maybe Mm. not the sharks, but the rest of it's real good.
0: (laughs) And so for, since you brought it up, we can always start off with something warm and fuzzy for our audience. So you're surfing out there, right?
2: Yep. No. Oh yeah. So no, I'm not surfing. (laughs) What happened was like, we moved down here and I'm, I had this idea in my head, you know, I've been living in um, Auckland city, which is the largest city in New Zealand, dense sort of suburban area. And I had, and I'm kind of like a coffee reading book, uh, coffee drinking book reading sort of dude. So we moved down to the beach and I'm like, I'm going to move. I'm going to become a surfer. I'm going to grow my hair long. I'm going to be like (laughs) Fabio, I'm going to be tanned (laughs) and ripped. I'm going to go like play music with other musicians who are all like scraggly and wise and be like, and so I got the surfboard and I started to surf. but dude, the first time I went out, I went out on the water and there was no waves or anything. It was just, um, it was a flat patch. And I put my, put myself on the board and my rib exploded just like this. Oof. And uh, I couldn't move for a couple of months. It was just, Oh, I don't know if you guys have, have you ever ripped a rib before or pulled by like, broken a rib or I ripped the rib a rib muscle?
0: Yeah. It's not fun. I, I've, oh, heard, it's I've heard, I've heard it's terrible. A
2: unique pain, eh? <laughs> so I did that the first time within like a couple of minutes. Uh, and then, um, that took a couple of months to heal, and then I went out again a second time and it exploded my other rib. So all that's happened is I've moved down to the beach and I've transported my book reading, coffee drinking, you know artistically emotional writing self. Into a community of fishers, surfers, and builders. So, and you can imagine how well I fit in down here. I don't think they know what to do with me.
0: <laughs> well, I, at least we're getting beautiful music out of you. I mean, and so the cool thing is it can open you up to throw a fishing line out, you know, at, at times yeah. out into the into the wild. There. Well, we appreciate oh, yes. you coming on board, man. We, like I said, we not only um, do we support you know this part of the world and, and Christian space and music, um, but the type of genre that you're in. And of course, we are actually speaking to someone that we're we fans. Like you have, we have your music in our Playlist and we we talk about it and and I wasn't joking. Um, I was a schoolgirl when you know Help Me believe was being looped. <laughs> it was just ask Mike. I w- yeah. I literally was yeah. pretty much just a baby. Um, oh, yeah, but for our audience, there's you know there's a lot of people who know you not only just in New Zealand, the United States, worldwide. You know, you've got this audience and a lot of people kind of got messed up because they're like ah oh, with the pandemic for all those listening who are fans of Strawn, I know you're excited because. Last year, you know, the, the, the tour was canceled, but we know there's some things. But before we go all into this beautiful catalog of music that you have and your family and all these things, we got to go back to Little Strawn. How does Strawn get a guitar in his hand, and how does Strawn go, I can sing, I can write songs? Can you, can you take us to the beginning, Strawn?
2: Yeah. Um, gosh, I mean, the beginning for me when I think about music, when I go back to my first thoughts, was when I, I was young, I was like eight years old when I started writing songs. Um, and I think, I can't remember exactly how it happened, but I think maybe my parents had got me uh, Michael Jackson's Bad <laughs> on tape. You know, they're just such a great record. Yeah. And my dad used to love music. So every weekend, um, my dad was a big sort of first, first 15 rugby, which is our equivalent of your American football. You know, it's like our culture's sort of uh, macho Man thing and he was like big into that and big parties and rock and roll, you know, Jethro Tull and Black oh, yeah. Sabbath and, yeah. Zep, and So Saturday mornings at our house, he would blast music and play that and he would also play all of this sort of um, You know, he also loved David Bowie and Bob Dylan and Cat Stevens So he had this whole spectrum oh, yeah. of pop heavy rock uh, metal and uh, folk and so I just grew up around it loved it and when I was eight I started writing songs and um, I didn't really pick up guitar. Actually, I, I got into like heavy metal music as a teenager, and I was in a band for um, three or four years. You wouldn't you wouldn't recognized me. I had jet black hair. I wore <laughs> all black dog chains. You know, the like the big sweatpants <laughs> and trousers around my ankles, and the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and just played pubs every weekend. And it wasn't until I was uh, um, in my twenties, actually late teens, early twenties, that I first picked up an acoustic guitar and started writing my own music, which was. Um, quite a whole new category for me going from sort of very intense uh, rock and roll shows where I was just the singer jumping around stage to um, picking up an acoustic and trying to express something through these through the limitations of my own playing and uh, oh, man. so yeah that's a very brief <laughs> eight years old to early 20s and it wasn't I, I kind of I came out with my, fir- my own first uh, record, or my EP, Water and Fire, when I was in my mid-20s. And at that point, I actually had another band that I'd written for that was this electro-pop band um, that I thought was going to be my future. I thought it was great. I thought it was way better than my solo stuff, but um, nobody liked it as much. <laughs> and uh, somehow the solo music career kind of found its way. That's amazing. I think
0: that it resonates to our, you know, our beings and our history, because that was a kind of growing up for us. We were listening to a wide pitch range, if you will, of music and the inspiration. I'm so, like you said, you know, you're you're grateful that you had a father that, you know, parents that would play all that kind of music because it really develops a huge taste of Mm -hmm. music. So I got to know now it begs the question is like, so that's really cool that your dad was a sporting guy. And, um, and all of these things, but were your parents, were they did they, did they have an influence for you in Christianity and faith? Where did that path kind of cross in for you? Where did you just like, you know what, I want to learn, I want to learn more about Jesus.
2: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I mean, probably like everyone, it's sort of floated stages for my family. Um, my My dad was a strong Presbyterian and his, when he was in his sort of, Early uh, mid teens, and I think he'd felt really strong in that foundation before he kind of entered the party sport world. Um, so he had this base, and um, my mother, her mother was Catholic. Um, no, not Catholic, sorry. Oh, maybe she was Catholic. I always get confused because back in her day, it was like the whole Catholic Protestant thing was a big warfare in New Zealand. I don't know if that was the same in the States, but she was Protestant. Um, Actually, my nan wasn't even allowed to wear a white dress uh, to her wedding because her husband was Catholic from a Catholic family, and she was Protestant, wow. and they refused to allow her to wear a white dress because of her religion, oh, wow, um, which man. is a cool, crazy story in itself.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but uh, so my mum was brought up around it, but she was probably more Eastern. I think she had her, so she kind of talked a lot about God, but her concepts of God were a lot more Eastern, maybe mystical rather than Christian. Mm-hmm. But my mother um, was a radiographer. Got locked in a dark room and, and got very bad, uh, very very sick because this dark room had no ventilation. So her her body got really chemical saturated, oh, wow. um, and that was a real crisis for our family because she was um, she was sort of uh, the idea was the doctors predicted that she would go deaf, end up in a wheelchair. You know, she was very sick um, and became incapacitated. And one day she went along to the local Baptist church and to a healing meeting and someone prayed for her. And uh, the way she describes the experience is that she kind of flew back onto the ground. Uh, And when she woke up, everyone else was gone and she just went down to the beach and said, God, you're clearly real. I feel healed. Um, I'm going to follow you the rest of my life. And I think at that point, um, our our faith, I, I remember God being present in the family before then, but I think at that point it switched into okay, there's something else here. Like God is, um, God is more than just morality or a good idea. He's something quite unique. And so for me in my early, in my sort of like from about that age, I think I was about nine or 10 on, I think for me, my, my experience of God, it was very experiential. It was very much centered around feeling and seeing and having a sense of awe and wonder in this sort of transcendent God. And I think that was a gift that's really stuck with me through my life. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, that's important. This is why we created the podcast. Like, yeah. I just was kind of like in like in awe. Like, you literally like that story literally brought me to the the the, the moment around your mom in the church, and I would just kind of like yeah. was stuck on it, like the power of it. And yeah. you're not going to get this on your up and down interview, Christian interview. I mean, I don't know how many times you stole tell that story, but thank you for sharing that. Um, how old were yeah. you around that time when that happened?
2: Just with my mum, oh gosh, I was terrified. I mean, we'd often come home from school and she'd just be weeping in tears. And you know, my mum's a my mum's an intercessor. She's a prayer, so she's a strong feeler. She's a strong engager. Things matter to her. She feels. And yeah. um, so for her going through that, she would we would often come home. She'd just be in tears, full of love, um, sure. but lots of tears. And um, I think that whole period of life was was kind of difficult. Just just prior to that, my parents had actually. Um, what oh, was it prior or just after that, my parents also separated for some period of time. And it was in that separation that my dad actually um, came to faith. And so there was, it, there was a lot going on. And yeah. strangely, I never thought about any of this until I was in my late 20s. And I thought, gosh, that's actually pretty full on for like an eight-year-old kid. Um, but it, obviously, I, I just think there was a sense of grace in it. Um, and it, I think it brought our family together. I mean, as a teenager, um, rem- from like 12 into my teenage years, we would just now. I think I think about it. I'm like, this is actually kind of crazy. But we would just stay up. We'd sit around after dinner on the couch, and we would stay up until like midnight, um, having chocolate bars and drinking coke and talking about Jesus. And every night we would just have these conversations about, you know, the, the kingdom of God and what God is like and and what eternity will be like. And um, so I think that whatever sort of trauma or intensity or um, instability was caused during that season was kind of um, returned back to us as a family and in the unity that just sharing God together was yeah. for us in last ten years.
1: How cool is it that that God takes those what seems like it's gonna be like a death blow and then all this awesome experiences come out of it. You know, it's it, yeah. it just reminds me of the the passage that's um, you know, God causes all things to work together for good of those who love him and yeah. called it's like that's this that's a it's a very real example of it, you know. That's awesome.
2: And yeah, I'm a man, and I think, go ahead. But, oh, go sorry, ahead. I was gonna go say ahead, with that scripture because it's so beautiful, it's, it just takes a lot of time to see it often. You yeah. know, just you feel like now that I'm in my mid 30s and I got three young boys of my own, I can look back and see, man, that's actually unique and that's amazing, and that probably is the fruit of this suffering that we went through. And yeah. but I wouldn't have seen that 15 years ago, right? Yeah. Well,
0: and I, that's why I ask you, Strong, like, what was your age during that time? You know, my, my parents divorced when I was 12, and they never wow. reconciled. And they, my parent, my father remarried for 20, now 21 years. Um, but it, it very much took its toll, not only just on my mother and people that are in that relationship, but affected those that didn't follow Christ, you know, and yes. I, I, I'm, I'm grateful by the grace that he put over me to say that, you know, my when I had to do these reports, it was like, my best is a relationship with Jesus, whether I knew it or not. You know, and and I think that's really powerful. So as you know, thank you for sharing that. It's really a powerful story. And so did you feel like that that faith that kind of brought you guys even closer? And now you're playing these cover bands. Did that influence you to be a songwriter first because i know you have a you have a very strong gift for poetry i mean i've gotten into some of this stuff man and the commenters you know collective like the whole thing like we saw something with lindsay cook and we know about her stuff and seeing her read off one of those poems like everyone's like in just like this prayerful meditation um where do you think that kind of inspired do you think that was a growth tool for you to like say hey i'm gonna start writing these songs and it's really what my with my faith and what i've been through can you kind
2: of tell our audience how you got into that that craft yeah, um, I don't know. Eh? I think it's always been in me, and I don't. I think the older I get, the more mysterious that feels. Um, I'm not sure that I ever really intended to. I mean, I look back on my journals as a teenager, and the stuff that I wrote was nuts. Like, I just was always writing this really intense spiritual. And and as a teenager, the thing was is I had a really strong faith, but I was also I drank a lot. I had terrible relationships. I was one of those Christians that like very much verbose and emotional and experiential for God, but also my life was just a mess. And so I look back on my journals and there's all of this crazy writing talking about the future or, you know, like about spiritual things or about things that I knew nothing about. And um, so I think that when I think about the way that my songs come about, and this has always been my songwriting process, um, I've never really put a lot of thought into my lyrics. It's only actually later in life that I've started to try and um, work harder at the gift of poetry and of words, because I've come to appreciate them so much. But it, it just always came out that way. It's just that's how I pray. It's how I talk. It, it just sort of, and and I think that's just a a thing about the way God made me. It wasn't. Um, it probably comes from an appreciation of th- the intangible. Maybe yeah. because my spirituality was so much based around experience, I found mm. I've always found really over rational songs or explicit um explanations of things to be unsatisfying and so maybe it just naturally in me was like I don't want to fully explain this thing I just want to talk to it um but yeah ironically because Strawn means poet and I and I always felt um in my younger years which is why I called my artist name just Strawn and not Strawn Coleman because I felt like oh Strawn is that sort of says it all You know, I always felt like a fraud, like I'm not a poet, you know, it was only about four or five years ago that I actually sat down and thought, well, maybe, maybe there's more to this. And that's when I started to explore language. So I don't know if that answers your question at all, but I don't know. It's, it's all a bit of a strange mystery of why we are the way we are. I don't
0: don't think it has to have like a defined answer. Like Mike and I talk about this all the time. Like, you know, we talked offline about my artist management and, you know, working with Mike and then of course Mike, you know, teaching me so much about music that I don't want it to be like that scripted discovery, if you will. Like I I, Mm -hmm. I think music is, is the most beautiful when it just comes naturally, you know, and I can be reminded that those are giftings from God. And Mike and I talk all the time. It's like, we we were um, we had this pretty heavy hitter producer on this last thing, and we were in Nashville, and he goes, um, "Do you want loafers, 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 Vans, or loafers?" And we're like, "We want the Vans, please." Yeah, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah.
1: it's it's cool too. Like, and I think I, I was I saw somewhere an interview with you, um, and you guys were talking about art, and I thought it was interesting because it kind of dovetails what what you were just talking about that you know art is something something that a lot of times is open for interpretation you know it's not and i think if you can do that especially as a as a christ follower that writes music or does poetry mm-hmm. or whatever and you have this element of of you know open to interpretation like cuz there's there's yeah. things that you know not everything is so is is so black and white in our in our faith journey and our walk yeah. there there are things that definitely are but there are other things that it's like and you know, part so much of our of our walk with god is like God, it's that Emmanuel, that God with us, he's with us, walking in, a, in the trenches with us. And if our yeah. art can somehow reflect that, um, man, it's yeah. awesome.
2: Yeah, so. I totally agree. And I do feel like we've lost that vision. You know, I mean, there's a lot to be said about the Enlightenment and this whole modern, you know, thinking about everything rationally and technically. But yeah. when I look at the New Testament and I look at Jesus' life, you um, he kind of sets the example for the Christian to be the poet. Like, I mean, he's the ultimate poet. You look at the parables. Yeah. And the thing is, when I look at the parables, what is more important than the kingdom of heaven? I mean, Jesus came to establish the kingdom of heaven on earth. It was a massive deal. His whole life was about embodying and sharing and teaching the kingdom of heaven It's what is death and resurrection, ascension and seed coming about. And yet, whenever he talked about the kingdom of heaven, the most important thing he used these strange stories yeah. that are kind of like they're like they're literally like this is sort of what the kingdom of heaven's like, but it's not really. And I'm just imagining if I was God, or if you were God, or if anyone I know was God, and we came down, and we're like, okay, the most important thing is that my church fully grasps this incredible concept that's going to change the world. I'd be like, here's a fifty thousand page document of one, <laughs> yeah. two, three, explicitly. Um, right. Yeah, Jesus was so uninterested in prescribing. Um, the kingdom of heaven. He wanted to invite us to wrestle with the mystery of it, and I think that yeah. over the last 500 years, especially in, a, in in reformed Protestant churches, which is where I come from, um, we lost that. We've lost that. Um, we've become too afraid. What if someone misunderstands? What if someone doesn't get the, the gospel exactly in this song? And I think it's I think it's robbed us a little bit of some of the beauty of yeah. who Jesus is and this whole mystery of faith and life. Um, yeah. And I think I look at Jesus and I say, he's the ultimate artist.
1: Right. Yeah. I And I, something that's kind of new for me, I'm in a, I'm in a screenwriting class right now. And um, one of the things I've never really done before, but this professor's, you know, challenged me with it is to look at you know, Bible passages is just like, I mean, of course, there's a historical text to it. There's a historical yeah. aspect to it. And but there's a passage uh, we're going through Nehemiah right now. And, he, and he's just breaking it down. Like if this were a script, you know, here's your inciting moment or your inciting incident, you know, and here's your protagonist and the antagonist. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'd never thought to look at the scriptures like that. But it, man, it, yeah, it, it yeah. just shows God's creativity that he put into the writer, you know, coming out.
2: It's, it's a part of it, eh? Yeah. I mean, a third of scripture is poetry. Right, and yeah. in another third of scripture is visions, dreams, and interpretations of visions and dreams. I mean, those two things alone express some large element of God's willingness to artistically display Himself through intangible qualities. I think that's amazing. It's,
0: yeah, it's beautiful. And living a little bit like Jesus is not
2: a bad idea.
0: Yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> I, and I I want to jump over to um, so water and fire we all know about, um, yep. and then of course it leads into posters and. Mm. Mate, the top of your music is streamed from that uh, that album. Um it's yep. pretty intense. And of course, you know, I always want to just skip on over and go to help me believe, but I can't I can't leave out <laughs> I can't leave out posters. Can you tell our audience how posters came about and and really what that whole encapsulated? Because it's a it's a strong album, mate.
2: Thank you, man. That's that's really kind. Um yeah, posters posters is a funny album for me. You wouldn't believe it. Um, but I hated it when I heard it. I hated it for like two years. I thought the album was a complete failure. Um, and I, it wasn't what I was hoping to achieve when I went into it. It was my first experience of real art, you know, going into the studio, trusting the artistic process, coming out with a child that you didn't, you know, you thought you were going to get a different looking kid or something. (laughs) Um, uh, But also I think in that time, um, it it was a real anxiety-ridden process with me. I felt very insecure about my voice. I felt insecure about my songwriting. And so strangely, this album that has become something of a hallmark of my life was really born out of this sort of like insecurity and uncertainty and then this like, this album sucks and the whole thing. (laughs) Um, But I'd I'd spent a lot of time writing. I think by the time I came to posters, I had about 400 or so songs to work with. And I think at the stage when I wrote that record, I would felt like, man, I just I want to write a joyful album um, that can honestly look at life and my experience of it and the tension of it, but always see it through the paradigm of hope. And, um, hmm. and so when I went into the studio, I went into the studio with, with uh, a very small amount of money, and, and I found a producer, was a worship leader at my church who produced many, many great artists in New Zealand, in fact, many of our top artists, And, uh, we went into this old seventies studio, you know, it's like cork walls, you know, like red and green satin looking carpet, but all these mics hadn't been touched since the sixties and seventies. So all these beautiful ribbon mics and things and, um, old, you know, the old Neve desk, which was just incredible. Um, and, uh, I just sat on a chair for three days and I sang these songs just live into acoustic. Um, and, uh, and we, re, we kind of built it around there over sort of 10 or 11 days. And wow. I, I think it's, there's definitely something in there when I listen to it that's very special. I think it, it carries a lot of my the early days of my journey with God, a lot of my, um, my hope and anticipation, um, and a lot of um, my learning to be songwriting. So, yeah, when it – when it came out, and Deliverance, ironically, I hated the song, and I was scrapped. I'd scrapped it from the album, um, and my uh, my wife and my producer said, "You can't scrap the song." It's, and I was like, "I I do not want it. It <laughs> trivializes my album. It's too cheesy. It's too poppy. Like it's gonna make everyone think that I'm just you know like having a laugh." And they were like, "You've got to include it." So I was like, oh so I put it in there. And it wasn't until 18 months later that someone texted me or called me and was like, bro, do you know like deliverance has got half a million players on Spotify? And I was like, what's a Spotify? <laughs> and then I went over this thing. I was like, what the heck is going on? And there was all well, these people listening to it. So that that whole record for me was a, um a really interesting process and, and really taught me a lot about art.
0: Well, if it makes you feel any better, we stream it on Praiser, but it also has four point six million streams on Spotify today.
2: Oh, isn't that wild? Awesome. I mean, it's still, that song, Deliverance, is still played, like, gets, like, you know, almost 100,000 plays a month or something. I mean, it blows me. It's been, That's like, awesome. what is it? it's been, like, almost 10 years, man. It's been, like, 8 years or something like that. Sometimes,
0: Sean, make... you know how it is. Sometimes you just gotta let it
2: simmer, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny, because they put the record out, and no one said peep about it for a year or two, and, uh, I couldn't book shows, and I thought my music career, I put every single dollar I had into that album. Leading into it, I toured, man, that year I did something like 250 shows, wow, um, and that's just in New Zealand, which is a very small country. I worked my my guts out, and that album came out, and no, no one said anything about it. I, I heard nothing from anyone for well over a year, and wow. uh, I found it really tough. I thought, well, I've just wasted my money on this record. I may as well go do something else, and then out of the blue, Yeah, after a year, I just started getting all these emails from people and things, and I thought, well,
0: that's nice. (laughs) And that's so OK. So then you're pulling the artist manager out of me. So uh, it's all your fault, Strawn, and I'm not going to let this ever go since we've met. (laughs) Um, No, I'm kidding. So so look, this is an encouragement for our young artists. So don't let anything like like, you know, the whole haste and waste thing. Like, don't 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 get discouraged. You know, like it's got like Mike, who's sitting across from me. You tell me about Lord's time is impeccable. And here it is. You'd put all this money into it, all this time and energy. You said you toured your guts off. I mean, when you said 250 dates, I'm like, oh, that's a manager's dream. The guy works hard for a living. Let's go. Yeah. And then I, I realized that no noise is behind it. Well, I've seen that 100 times or more. You know, yeah. and the next thing you know, you get a song that drops in your bucket and it's licensed with a Justin Bieber track. I don't know if that's gonna happen for yeah. you, but it happened in one of our artist camps and it was a year and a half oh. later. Year and a half later. Oh. You know? Yeah. And so we were like, all right, so I just wanna encourage our audience for what Stron just said, ladies and gentlemen, like young boys and girls, like young riders out there, it's like I don't care what, you know, you say to yourself. Don't let that come into you. And maybe this is even encouragement for you. I mean, Strong, you already know this, so I'm talking to the choir at this point, you know. But, like, to really just let that simmer, like, let that work through you. Put it out there. Don't look back. Just keep doing it. As long as you're putting Christ first and then you're letting your family, family, and then, you know, friends come out, th- that's yeah. important. That's that's a big deal because a lot of young guys and girls out there get discouraged by, it, like, oh, it has to be this. It has to be that. No, no, no. Just just do. Just do, yeah. you
2: know. So. Yeah. Yeah, man. One of the most freeing things that I, revelations I had about music was realizing it's just like any other job. It um, doesn't matter how talented you are, it matters how committed you are, how hard you're willing to work and the cost you're willing to bear. Um, and I've seen, I mean, I'm nowhere near as talented as my friends. I mean, you should hear some of my friends, i got some friends called the Paper Cranes who actually, they were the singers on that album. Um, posters, you know, less Harmonies. That was them. They are talented beyond measure, man. It's just magnificent. That producer Nick Mander's released his own stuff, his own bands. Um, way more talented, but um, it just happened that I, when everything sucked and it looked like nothing was going to work, I just kept touring, kept touring and kept touring and kept going and kept going because I felt I believed in it. Yeah. And uh, I, I feel like more often than not, I look at other talents, people being like, man, if you just kept going, um, you would you would just do incredibly. And I think. Somehow we've missed that in the music industry. We've thought it's all about talent. We want to be the next lord or the next person who's just downloads go crazy overnight without us knowing about it. Yeah. Um, but actually, it's just hard. Yeah, you Instru- just punch it out.
0: No, you're right. I learned something early on in my career as an artist manager. When I first started as an artist manager, I quit my sales job. And everyone thought I was crazy, including my parents. And God already knew. He had already written on my heart what I was supposed to do. But I learned early on that that hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And that comes from like an old saying, like my fa- my grandfather's like the most talented guy in the room doesn't always make it. And I've talked to people you that say are that again. Yeah, yeah.
1: Hard work beats talent. What was it again? Sorry.
0: Right. Hard work beats talent. Talent doesn't work hard. Like, and it's great. Yeah. In a sense that like, that's awesome. Your hard work and what you put in when talent doesn't show up to practice and you do, yeah. you're going to outperform them. It's just what yeah. it is, you know? And, um, and, and it goes to true. Like, it doesn't matter if you talk to a professional musician like you guys or you talk to a professional sports player, the ones that I've always known to make it are the ones that after the show, they got back on the bus and they started rehearsing the licks that they messed up from the show. Yeah. You know, or they start going into maybe a golf player goes out after the term and then goes, hits a thousand balls on the driving range. You know, yeah. um, it, it's just something to say. Well, I, you know, we, we're, we're going so well through the catalog. I want to talk about how you got to feel tonight. That was an EP that you dropped, right? In 2015. Yeah. Yep. was that was that a was that kind of like a prelude to what we saw out of out of exile or was that a, totally its own sphere of a project?
2: Yeah, it kind of was its own sphere of a project. Um, it really represents a lot of a lot of what I was going through at the time. I think um, i I did posters and um, it didn't really generate enough. Um, momentum or finance for me to go back into the studio and do something massive. I actually recorded Feel the Night in basically a living room with a friend. Nice. Um, he's just a good man and um, actually the same producer as Water and Fire. Um, I'd also I'd also done a lot of touring with, um, with posters in churches and, and amongst different church communities. It was really as... There was a whole season of deconstruction swelling through a lot of the church at that time, a lot of people becoming uncertain. Um, and my own experience of God, the kingdom, the church was I was finding Him so much in these liminal spaces of tension and things. So during that time, I became I sort of entered more of a, a prayer ministry lifestyle rather than an artist lifestyle, and I spent quite um looking back on it, absorbed in amounts of time in prayer ministry and, and my own with other people. And that's a whole story in its own. And out of that came these words, feel the night before the coming of the Lord was actually an interpretation of um, a tongue, believe it or not, uh, that turned out to be in an actual language um, that was interpreted by people who spoke that language. And, and, and so feel the night was my way of saying, what if I just took all of the visions and dreams and words and things that I'm seeing in that sort of mystical sense and I wrote it into song, and I just, and then I allowed those um, <laughs> transcendent experiences to form the basis for what the music sounds like, or wow. what the rhythm or the um, the temper uh, the temperature of everything sounds like. And that's how I got feel the night. It was it was starting from a different premise, um, and that that kind of led down to this atmospheric large space. And at the time, I thought this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. The problem was is um, very hard to tour it as as a solo artist. So, oh, yeah. and also again, I put it out there, and it was even less successful than posters. I thought nobody likes it. It <laughs> uh, took two years, literally, again two years before I was touring in the states, and someone came up to me. I just this, I had this one tour where people were just coming up to me and telling me the most insane stories about that record that I was like, oh, I should have done more of it. <laughs> but yeah, so that, that, that record was different in the sense that it came more from this transcendent, um, you might even say prophetic space of what happens if you take what you see in these strange places and try and bring it into reality, whereas posters was normally expression of the heart of, of my own journey, it was a lot more tempered.
0: Mm. I love the intellect behind it. Do, and this goes back to maybe some of your childhood. Like obviously, your, you know, your mother had a skill set. Your your father was an athlete. Um, did did you feel like that there? even though they were playing all this music, did they have an artistic bone in their body that influenced your ability? Cause like, I feel like your perspective on music, I've worked out with a lot of artists, man, from the people that have no voice to some that have already got, you know, the major awards and platinums and all that yeah. stuff, you know, the hardware as we call it. Um, I feel like there's something there that I don't know why it's on my heart, but is there, is that the case?
2: You know, it's, it's kind of strange. My dad did play music as a kid. Hmm. Um, but my mother didn't so much. Um, I actually attribute most of this to um, to my mother being a prayer. Um, like she's a hardcore prayer. And and the way that I write songs, um, basically every song prior to Vulnerability, which was my last full record, was written pretty much in totality. Um, spontaneously in one go. So most of posters, I reworked a couple of lines in posters. um, Feel the Night, I mean, I wrote basically 12 songs over six weeks, which um, boiled down to Feel the Night. I actually recorded another five of those, Feel the Night. I was going to do a second EP and finished it. Hmm. Those were songs that I was praying, picked up a guitar, and then almost wailed out these songs, and they were – They were like songs of discovery. So as I'm singing them, I'm almost hearing, for me, it's feeling like I'm hearing God's voice in this for the first time. Help Me Believe was another one of those ones. Help Me Believe was screamed out in front of candles in the middle of the night in one of my most desperate moments. But Mm. it was really, it was a prayer. And so Mm. my songs, as I've looked back on it and said, you know, how do I write songs? It's actually all been intercession and prayer. And, uh, and, And so when I think about music now, I feel like, oh, I'm not, maybe I'm not an artist because really what I'm doing is I'm, I'm picking up a guitar and I'm finding a way to let other people hear me pray. And um, oh, so although my, my mother and father weren't necessarily, um, they've dabbled in creativity, but they never really exemplified that to me, I think I think the strongest element of my songwriting has always been mm admitting it to this spirit of prayer, prayer yeah. uh, in which case I would say, yeah, my mother. I mean, my mother is a prayer man. She's one of those crazy intercessors that really has prayed her life for people, and that's, that's beautiful. So, I don't know if that makes yeah, sense. Uh, uh, that's
1: awesome. That reminds me. strange angle to come in on. <laughs> <laughs> it, it reminds me a little bit of a, the interview we did with Eric, Eric Marshall from Young Oceans. He's yeah. like he's like I don't I don't consider myself a worship uh, worship artist. He's like, I, I call myself I call Young Oceans prayer music, and it's like when you really break yeah. it down, it's like Man, that that brings in like the Psalms and all the Psalms were that were were you know, David and these other people like writing these prayers to God. And yeah. man, I, I think I think probably prayer would help help you as a especially as a worshipful artist or a prayer artist to then even more than the creative stuff would be, even because it, it gives you that posture and that heart of of just crying out to God. And when you hear songs like help me believe you're instantly in that place because it was written. And now that we know the backstory of it, it was written in such a, such a, an intimate moment with God. And, and, and it's easy to connect to It's just like instant,
0: you know, yeah, and it's really well, a cool. It's, beautiful. it's yeah. It's just, that's the word I was going to use. Strong was beautiful that you think of this moment. Like I, I I've got a lot of songs in catalog, but I don't release them. I don't produce them. They're just like expressions where, I want to write mm-hmm. the love song. I, I never f- finish the songs, it seems. I mean, Mike and I finish some songs. But the ones that are actually just calling, like, like just your soul is just coming out of you, that's a beautiful mm-hmm. thing. And that's encouraging for people that maybe whether you're influenced through the Spirit is whether you're a place of brokenness or a place of pure happiness and joy, do what Strawn does. You know, like, play all the way through it. Just let mm-hmm. God speak to you. Just invite him in. Invite him into your presence mm-hmm. always. Because, like, like, they'll never leave us already. So yeah. you might as well ask for some favors, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. So that I do think that, you know, with songwriting, my my personal opinion is has always been and, and post is is very simple. It's painfully simple. I mean, if you sat down, basically get a capo and if you know how to, you know, start a song on a G, you can <laughs> learn my entire album in like five minutes. Um, but I I, I kind of made a decision early in my career that I was gonna go after Um, like encountering God through song, that that, that the key would be sacrificing my own sense of cleverness Mm. at the altar of experience. And that's not for everybody at all. And I'm not saying that's the way it should be, not not for one second, but I think that there's something to be, there's so much art out there, and especially now more than ever, um, there's a, a saturation of art um, but I very rarely anymore ever hear a song that moves me. And uh, I mean, art is brilliant and yeah. it's intellectual and it's clever and it's perfect. And the stuff we can do is insane. Um, but when I even when I listen to a lot of worship music, I, I think that we I think we, we can because we want to we want to be clever. We want to be right. Sometimes we can sacrifice the simple prophetic thing that God has given us for yeah. um, a, a really beautiful expression but it may not kind of cut through someone all the same. Um, And sometimes the more simple lyric or the less poetic thing to say, or the two chord song that you're embarrassed about. um, Sometimes it's the song that people need because it's the song that came out in that way. And, uh, I think there's there's coming a bit of a return to that somewhat in music at the moment, which is really exciting. But for a patch of about five or so years there, it kind of felt like we all just wanted to be really cool. We just want to write the best Christian music and prove that we could do it, which is wonderful too. Um, But I think there is something to be said for allowing that rawness to be seen from time to time. Um, People connect to weakness and and to vulnerability, and they connect to imperfection. And uh, I think that we lost that in art for a while.
1: That's yeah,
0: a beautiful thing. I don't think it could be any clearer, and I hope this is a, cur- a consistent encouragement to our audience yeah. because I'm feeling that there are people listening right now that could use this type of influence. You know, and it, we oh, hate sorry. to sorry to have the sunrise now blaring you down. Yeah, I'm Sorry,
2: <laughs> I'm being like, blinded by the light. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but um, and Mike has something because I definitely want to hear the story of oh, Help yeah. Me believe.
1: Yeah, well, there was this. There was something um, what you what you're talking about it reminded me of. Um, something Jason Upton did in a, in a worship conference one night or it's on YouTube or something. He was singing, um, Jacob's ladder. And then he's just kind of singing this thing at the beginning and it, and it, it it really impacted me. He's, he's speaking about Jacob. Sometimes like Jacob, we dress ourselves up like our brother to receive a blessing from our father. And I was Mm -hmm. like, Oh my goodness, Mm -hmm. that's so powerful. That's so, and, and especially in, in, in music and in artistry and worship. Like we sometimes we're like, well, if I can just dress up like, you know, this, this group or this artist, yeah. you know, and we we would never say this outright. We'd never say if I act like these guys, God will bless me. But in a sense, we kind of are because we're saying, you know, I, I, this is what's cool. This is what's trending. I want to sound like that to get that that approval or whatever. And I think it's kind of dangerous because you end up sacrificing what God wants to say through you,
2: you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I totally agree, man. I mean, that's some pure Jason wisdom, Jason Upton wisdom, right there. But and, and I do think there's so much in that. I was just recently, I'm reading a book at the moment called Analog Church, which is actually a really interesting book where he talks about the same thing as that. Um, but in that he talks about it as pastors, but um, and and how we're in such a hyper-connected world now. You know, we're seeing every worship leader, their little snippets, all their best parts on Instagram and Facebook yeah. all the time. And I think it's hyper. Um, it sent this into hyperdrive, the sense of wearing our brother's clothes and thinking maybe that's how I need to be right. to be spirit-led or to write great music. And um, gosh, it's a tsunami. It's not It's not easy to, to push back against. Sure. Um, man, it's, it's, that's such a great line, man. That's that's beautiful.
0: And it yeah. feels like something simple. Like when you said you go back and you can play the song in the key of G and learn my entire album, Like, yeah. I go back to like those beautiful things that we learned from Sunday school that like Jesus loves me. Like there's so much individual meaning in that. Like I, he loves me. I love him. He loves me for who I am, not for who I'm not. And I think that expression is cool. So, all right. So strong, we got to get into some heavy. You ready?
2: Yeah.
0: All right. So help me believe dude, like I've gone through some pretty heavy heartaches. I think we all have. And no matter where, if you're in the hills or valleys, it's God who puts you there, but this was a big influence for help me believe. Right. There was, there was, there was a valley there. Can you help? Can you share that with our audience?
2: Yeah, um, I think that when I, you know, I'd, I'd gone through these teenage years of sort of really wanting to please God, but also um, just living this loose life with alcohol and, and people and, and whatnot. And and I I kind of ended up walking away from God in my early 20s, going to university, just living the life, partying. And, and I really partied. Um, and in the midst of that sort of, felt God speak to me and came back through this quite powerful experience. And because of that coming back, um, at such a low point, um, the, the sort of the years following were quite intense. I did a lot of street evangelism. I saw lots of visions. I fasted a lot. I got up early. I read the entire Bible a couple you know, a couple of times in a year. And Like the whole thing was just very like, <laughs> and, uh, it was amazing. But as I entered into my twenties, um, Further and further in, I started, I got very, uh, um, what's the right word? I got burnt quite bad by a church, um, partly my fault, partly theirs, whatever, you know, the story. Uh, but on top of that, my body started to break down. I started to suffer these bouts of extreme despair and, dis- and depression and loneliness, um, wondering why I was experiencing what I was experiencing. And, in my twenties, it became this thing of God. Where are you? Like, where is the God that I met five years ago? Mm. Have I done something wrong? Have you abandoned me? Like, mm. what, 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 I'm, is it just that I'm getting older and, and I'm walk, and I'm getting pulled away from you? Like, how is this possible? I'm, I'm, I'm crying out to you, and and for years and years, I would just weep in the night, just saying, God, I just, I just want to feel you. I just want to see you, and. You know, I, my friends that um, came to Christ with me in those times—they were off like praying for people in other countries and literally seeing stubs of fingers growing back and tumors falling out of people's sides and planting churches and all this stuff. And I was just this misunderstood musician that everyone—they were looking at me like, "Man, you're really losing your faith." And I'm like, "I'm not. I am. I am desperate mm. to see and hear God." Um, and so I think in the midst of that, this night I came to this place. Of picking up my guitar um, and just saying, you know, I remember these things, God. Like, I remember seeing you. Uh, would you touch my face like that again? Would you whisper in my ear? Would you just tell me it's okay? Because right now, I feel like somehow I failed and you've left me. And yet, there's a part of me that desperately wants to believe that that's not possible, mm. that following Jesus is bigger than my abilities, and and uh, and so I, I just kind of picked up my guitar and I wrote that song. I'm not sure if I changed a line from it from the oh. initial um, the initial prayer, and I just cried and cried and cried, which is really really how most of my songs uh, they come through tears, and then I try and make them happy when I go <laughs> well, a little bit faster. But, <laughs> It kind of, in many ways, I always felt affectionate to the song um, because those moments were not rare for me for a solid 10, 12 years. Later on in my 20s, I became incredibly sick. I was bedridden for years. Even just this year, months ago, um, my body broke down again and I'm going through this. Is my life ever going to, am I ever going to be normal again? And, um, And so I think that that song for me represents the place that, that, that our empty places, followers of Jesus, they're, they're places of opportunity for God. And, and that prayer, Lord, I believe, help me believe when that person says it. I think it perfectly encapsulates a real faith. Hmm. Yes, I absolutely believe you, Jesus. Totally. Please help me to just believe you, Jesus, because yeah. everything in my world and emotions and faith and mind and body and relationships is telling me this is crazy and you've okay. abandoned me. But I believe, help me to believe. Uh, and I think, for a deconstructing world, for a world facing all kinds of political, social, racial, economic unrest, we can find that simplicity by just saying, yes, Jesus, I do believe, but also help me believe, because what I'm seeing is screaming out to me that everything's wrong and I can't make sense of it, yeah. but I refuse to let that dictate to me how I feel about life. So so that's a bit of a long story, but that song is, I guess that song is so much more than just a single moment for me. It's come to embody that desire for rawness and to know God and also to make it through hard seasons that this kind of Mapped my life. When
0: I get the goosebumps after someone responds to a question, I usually say that's all we need to listen to. <laughs> so the podcast is over. Pack up your bags. No, I'm kidding. Mate, that is so beautiful. I yeah. golly. You know what? I, I, I went through the same thing, man. Like I I I did not I had a, like when my parents went to the divorce, you had to go through a psychologist, right? And they ask you all these questions. And I didn't dude, I didn't know any better. And it says, My best is my relationship with Jesus. I gave him a million reasons to not love me through my party days. I mean, hardcore yeah. partying, you know, and girls, like the whole thing. But I realized, like, even to this day, I, I feel like where I'm weaker, or vulnerable in those moments that I need to be more obedient like we all do. We strive to be super obedient. And I want to become a father, have three beautiful kids, you know, this whole thing. Um, but you have to just be mindful that, like, he never left you. And that song yeah. to me, when I played that over and over and over, it was because I was going through a divorce and, um, wow. I had, I was just by myself here. I am thinking I'll never work for a day in ministry. And that song kept mm-hmm. playing and going, and I kind of got it of a different way. It wasn't like, help me believe in you, Lord. It's helped me to fo- like, actually follow you, like to actually yeah. be not an idiot anymore. <laughs> like stop yeah. being an adulterer, stop doing the stupidness, you know, yeah. and it, it, it's people like you and Mike, Mike has taught me a lot. And his music has um, but thank you for telling our audience that story that that's an yeah. encouragement. We've had like, what, four encouragements already today. We I, probably could write a book the... about today's interview, <laughs> uh, but people need to go check it out. I mean, yeah. you, you gotta go check out Stron um, and listen to this music. Stron, help us plug, plug your plug where people can find you the best. What's the quickest way to Strawn?
2: Um, okay. Well, I mean, I'm most active really now through, um, this prayer ministry that I began through my sick, sick years, five or six years ago, um, called Commoners Communion. Yep. Not communist communion, which would also <laughs> is Commoners Communion. And really I just kind of post prayers regularly um, on Instagram, actually, and uh, write prayer books and, and things. And I also teach prayer classes um, to try and help people. I think because I wasn't really taught how to be close to God through um, the sense of absence of God or through suffering or through depression or anxiety, um, I, I've kind of developed these these prayer schools to help people have a more resilient intimacy with God that isn't based on what they think or feel, but is based on reality. So I teach those, and but and hopefully I'll record some music again. I'm, I really do hope that um, my body uh, that they can find out what's going on and that I can I can become well enough to record. I'd love to do that and come back and tour and all those things. But you're most likely to find me on uh, Commoners Communion um, where I express my creativity in other ways while I. I wait for the redemption of my esophagus, throat, body, whatever it is. Yeah,
1: Yeah. it is. uh, And also, um, if you're if you follow Stron on IG, like there's been there was one one morning on I think it was on a weekend. I woke up and I saw Strawn's live on IG. I'm like, oh, I'll check that out. So I'm sitting there drinking coffee, and it's just I think you're in that room just having this conversation. But yeah. the conversation is so, so deep and like, it's deep on theology, but like just some of the experiences that you've gone through and I sat and watched the whole thing for, I think it was like an hour long or something, but it was like, it was great. And so, you know, be sure to, be sure to check out his IG cause it's yeah. always, it's always banging.
0: I mean, go just Instagram.com forward slash strong music for his personal page there. Um, and then for, co- uh, commenters, com- uh, Come, you just go right Commerce to commune. excuse me communion a <laughs> tongue twister like literal tongue twister I don't
2: know what I was thinking it's because I've been called Strawn my whole life and it's been so tough I must have subconsciously gone how do I choose a ministry moniker that is even worse than Strawn and I did it. and yeah, it's great
0: Commoners, yeah I don't even just just do it just just go just go to Strawn when you go to his bio thanks a lot Mike you just click on that at sign that starts with a C and ends with an N you'll figure it out you You'll, you'll get there, um, you know, and, I, and I'm and we're prayerful people as well. We're praying for you, man. I I can relate to the sickness and the things, you know, I it's like I got it. It's like, what am I doing wrong? You, you go through a divorce, you know, and then I got I got hit really bad by a car. Um, it sh- it could have should have killed me. Uh, ended up with, you know, do- two level arthroplasty, which is basically implants in my neck um, wow. and then I broke my foot skateboarding with my dog, you know, um, it's just, it's one thing I've heard, but you know, it, it, it's encouraging from what you said earlier. It's like, you know, help me believe is where like God never leaves you. At least for me, it's taught me that. And it's like, God, like I'm going to take some arrows for you. And I, I'm going to take them because I'm working for your kingdom on earth. And what I'm doing here was not by accident. Like, I really feel like there's that calling and there's a lot of calling out people out there that don't even know it. So, you know, yeah. when you get plugged into people like Strawn's music, you get plugged into Mike Rathke music or whoever it is, just try to stay in the word, you know, and yeah. I think that's a big, it, big gap that people miss.
1: It, it's something it kind of reminds me of, of um, kind of a a journey that I'm in right now, like for there's a that's sometime we'll talk about it, but it's like there's the the book of Job. Like God had me start reading the book of Job, and I've always <laughs> book of Job has always been one that I steered clear of. Like uh, I've read it, <laughs> I, I don't need to read that again. <laughs> but like for like man three months, I just read it over and over and over, and, and I really gleaned some things. And now it's like my one of my favorite books because I see <laughs> so much redemption in it that I didn't see before. All I saw before was like, you know, Job's between this this thing going on in the spirit realm, but you know. The, the thing about it, the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway is what the message of your song is like, yeah, we go through these difficulties, but we keep our eyes on Jesus. And we're like, I, I have no idea what is going on right now, but father, I, I yeah. believe you. And I just want to you know, help me believe. I just want to, I just want to follow you. And man, there's, there's something really vulnerable about that space and something really challenging, but at the same time, it's very freeing because you know that mm-hmm. there's, you know, that you're just giving it all over to the Lord and like, Man, I'm in your hands. If if I'm in a grave tomorrow, I'm okay. I'll be with you. There's there's just like an ab- yeah. abandonment to it that's that's very freeing. And um, I don't know. Your music it's, reflects that. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's good, man. And as we that's lead good. into this, you know, like you, uh, we wish we could hang out with you. You're the kind of guy. It's like I want to go fishing with. You know, I want. I, I, you, you, you you, I'm telling you, man. We're gonna hang out. I'll, we'll we'll hook up through Mike. I know you guys have been keeping in touch. But this is where we get to the parlor podcast, and you're always welcome here in the Praiser House, man. We consider you a brother. And so you get to Florida, I'm taking I'm gonna rent the boat and we're going fishing. All right. Just done. It's on. And you can, look, we don't don't worry about this. I've broken a lot of stuff too, man. <laughs> um I can get you up on a board. It, it might be seven, it might be a nine footer. But it's all Action. about catching waves, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I got a producer I want to introduce you to, and uh, that's another story. But, hey, so this cool. is something we've called for our audience called the Artist Corner inside the Praiser House. So I know we're – you know, you would actually love this. This is a shipping container. if Believe yeah. it or not, you're looking inside of a no shipping container. Yes, yes. It, it was literally a music studio. And, and Mike and I were like – we were tracking some stuff in here. I was playing keys, and he was – you know, his beautiful voice opens up. Um, not my voice and, uh, and, uh, we, we painted this whole, made this whole thing. But in this, this section of the podcast, mate, it's the artist corner. This is like, Stron. here's the microphone and we're going to turn it all over to you. What do you want to leave our audience with today? Anything that kind of pops out? No pressure, man. No pressure. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, just just no pressure, eh? just, like, <laughs> just change
1: the world with what you say next. That's all.
0: And if you and if you cry, <laughs> we might go with you. It's called us. We call them spiritual punches here, so don't worry about that either. Okay, that's
2: yeah, yeah. Um, look, I I don't know, man. I think um, if I, you know, what's on my heart at the moment is we're obviously living in, in really unique times, and I don't I don't know who's listening and whether you predominantly artists. I imagine you're predominantly artists or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's ever been a more important time to um, to connect with the transcendent, the confusing, the mm. the unknown elements of God, and and of course God is so so knowable and so achievable. But I'm not sure that what the world needs is better solutions. I think what the world needs is better lovers, and I think that anybody can become a better lover um, by simply just getting down on their knees more often, or just simply sitting in the dark with a lit candle or just waking up 10 minutes earlier or just learning to say, God, good morning or good evening. And I think that, I think that we, in the complication, the complicated world we live in in the uncertain world we live in, there's never been a greater time for love. And I just encourage you as artists or as people, mothers, fathers, daughters, sons, brothers, friends, whatever, um, man, never underestimate the power and creativity of, um, of God, of, of knowing him, of walking with him. Um, especially now it's never yeah. been more important. So, yeah. I mean, that feels like such a cliche thing to say, but I guess that's really, no. for me, that's, that's what's in the depth of my heart at the moment. You yeah.
0: can't outgive, you can't outgive God and you cannot love him. <laughs> and if no. he can make us by being more prayerful or mindful of his presence, always, yeah. we can become better lovers. Yeah. Yeah. But, I think yeah. So, man, Strawn. It's so. been a, it, I say this a lot, but this has been extra refreshing, you know? Yeah, it is. And we'll, we'll try to get there. I got to get Mike over. He hasn't toured over in that part of the world. And, uh, you know, we we got to get something together and check them out. You guys should connect. I, I've told this, you know, to other artists, you guys should connect. I know you already are, but you never know. So yeah. you're always welcome. Hey, if you ever need anything from us, you get to the States before you do. We'll plan something together, both from the praiser perspective, but also personally, we invite you. Yeah. And uh we can't think enough, you know, we've prayer for you, you know, for you and your family and for the music upcoming, man. Yeah, man.
2: Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks, guys. It's been a real honor to chat. Real honor to be invited to come and uh, and hang out with you guys and yeah. um, this conversation. So thank you.
0: Yeah. Thank yeah, you, thank you and we'll see you real soon, brother. Yeah. Blessings, cool. man. All right, see you, guys. Well, how how refreshing was that, Mike? I've said it a lot, but I mean, I mean, look, God, it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah. I feel like I was good. talking to one of my buddies back, and he lives yeah. in Australia, and just kind of like leaning in and going. So are going to go fishing? Are we going to go diving? Are we going <laughs> to go surfing? Ride the dirt bikes? Yeah. With Strawn, it's all of that in a sense, but you get that conversation with about Jesus more it feels
1: mentally. like that that kinship that you know that 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 brotherhood that familyhood you know like we we talked about in one of the previous interviews like when you when you get to talking with someone that's just just a brother in christ like you start seeing those family resemblances like oh man that's that's my brother you know
0: it it does man I, yeah. and i think that's what is encouraging. to like last last episode i did a, i did an altar call <laughs> yeah essentially but i want to i want to keep doing it And I want to give that encouragement to like those that are listening. Look, there's some people out there that aren't saved. My brother's one, you know, there's others. And your relationship with God is a private thing. You know, it's not for me to pry open the can and jump into the tuna fish. I know that was kind of a weird. (laughs) I
1: like tuna fish. (laughs) I like tuna fish
0: too. But I, but I encourage those that haven't given their life to Christ to seriously consider that. You're not guaranteed tomorrow, man. Yep. And, um, Yep. When I pray, Mike, I, I thank God for this day. Mm-hmm. And I might not do it every day, but I'm constantly reminded of it. And when people ask how I'm doing, I said, I'm doing okay because God let me wake up today. Mm-hmm. And that's a great start. Yep. That can change your heart, your way of thinking, and then it can actually eventually change your actions. Yeah. So I encourage those, you know, that are out there that maybe listening to this and having a good time because you want to hear about Strawn's background, or you want to hear about Brian Head Welch from Corn and mm-hmm. and what they're doing with Love and Death and you might want to listen to Aaron Cole because you're a hip hop head. Do you notice that we're interviewing people not based on a certain criteria? Mm-hmm. The number one common denominator is that they're Christian. Yeah, the music yeah. just happens to be a gifting, something yep. that you and I love. So I I just want to say it one more time. I just I challenge you. You know I don't care. I don't even want you to subscribe today. I'd rather you give your life to Jesus Christ today than subscribe to our podcast. Yeah.
1: And it's not it's not complicated, man. I mean, my my come to Jesus moment was wasn't some big showdown, some big prayer. It was it was because I had done that every day for like ten years before that. It was more God just saying, "Look, I just want you to follow me. Like I don't want you to say another sinner's prayer. I want you to buy a Bible, start reading, learn about me, and just follow me." And, yeah. And it was a simple thing, but it 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 totally transformed my life, and it's still transforming my life. But Yeah, so that's a great encouragement. If there's if we have listeners out there that haven't started that journey, that haven't, you know, maybe they're feeling that prompting right now. Just say, man, it's simple to say. All right, Jesus, (laughs) even to say the thing, God, if you are there, show yourself to me. I want, I want to, I want to learn about you. You know, and that's that's a great place to start. You know,
0: it really is. Um, You know, Zuby's a friend of ours, um, and he's he's a rapper. He he doesn't go into say I'm a Christian rapper. He's a rapper. And he got interviewed. He was on the Joe Rogan show. And he said to Joe, just across the way, he said, You know, Joe, living more like Jesus is a great thing. Mm -hmm. And I may not have gotten that exactly right, but to just live more like Jesus. And look, you're going to fall. Like, I think one of the big things that I had to learn was that to be, yeah, to be, you have to be obedient to God, right? Like, you have to remove all these things that are. That are causing this sinful nature in you hmm. yeah and, and it takes a long time you know yeah. um, and we're not even capable of doing it it's we're
1: like, not. otherwise we wouldn't need a savior the problem is exactly. is that we're, we're broken and we need jesus to help
0: us yeah to remove those things but by what you're saying by you confessing him as your lord and savior and just following let the chips fall where they fall i'm not yeah. saying that you got to continue doing those terrible things they have to stop right you, you will find that closeness with the lord that you will become obedient But when you fall, do not walk away. Yeah. Keep the faith. Yeah. It's all the old line about like everyone can walk and talk and chew bubble gum. Not so many, Mm -hmm. but for some there are. And then that old line about like, how do you react once you get punched in the mouth? Imagine you fall, you fell, you, you, you made a mistake. Just get back up. Yeah. Just keep following him. Yeah. Just you're, keep going. You're gonna
1: fall. You're gonna have those times, but the and Lord will help you. He'll help. He'll help you up.
0: It does, and it starts to narrow in for a lot, you know. Um, so I have to put that, take that from my heart. But we can't forget about how wonderful today's episode was with yeah. Strawn. So check out Strawn music. You can click on Commerce Communion. That's it's an old Instagram, and it's really cool. If if you if you haven't like with following Jesus, there's a lot of material right there. Mm-hmm. You know, follow it out. He's got three new songs that dropped last year. And of course, if you want to be like me, you can geek out and just loop "Help Me Believe" for yeah. fourteen thousand three hundred eighty-two times. Yeah,
1: exactly. And we got a lot. I mean, we we could have stayed on the phone with him for another two hours, but. There's just so much to talk about, and uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll have him back on again.
0: I think we'll do a part two. Yeah. I think he's going to come in maybe at the point where we get to the new studio. You know, we've been talking about that. that we're finally yeah. a new studio at some point. Um, he can squeeze into here. I, I think it's great, and I think there's a lot of opportunity for artists that are up and coming that are, that can relate to Stron yeah. and be encouraged by his heart. His prayerful sense of where he's at when he writes music, mm-hmm. that's a big deal. Yeah. So, you know, this is the Praiser House. We had Strawn Day. Please make sure you share it with your friends and your family. We've had such an absolute just growth over the last two weeks. really has. It's unbelievable. It's crazy. We kind of like, oh, we got to have these high expectations. We got, you know, yeah. we should have not had any expectations yeah, you know, and just left it to the bobbleheads to yeah. do their little fun dancing, exactly. you know, just yeah. like ah, la, la. Uh, But to get to this point where we've had it and it's really because the people are getting involved mm-hmm. We're getting so many encouraging comments that people are like great content share this here. We're sharing it there Yeah Well with people like Sean and Aaron Cole and all those that we've come already We hope that that's a continued encouragement to our audience and to those that maybe haven't even listened yet. Yeah, so with that I'm Brandon Bailey yeah, man. I'm Mike Rafke. And this is the Praiser House. Yeah. See you next episode, guys. See you guys. I'm the House.